Hey folks, so what do you know about Zumba? Zumba is one of the best infomercials you will ever see on late night television. And I feel like I get my workout from watching the commercial for Zumba. Ah, I know it's a dance thing and it's very international. And, I th- and there's a set of DVDs. Zumba, I'm here to tell you, is the aerobics dance craze of the world. Oh. Oh, yeah. Approximately <laughs> 15 million people take weekly Zumba classes in over 200,000 locations. 15 million a week? 15 million a week. In 200,000 locations across 180 countries. Pat, think, we're out of touch. I, 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 I mean, I guess, where's that leave? Like North Korea not doing Zumba? <laughs> And in any case, it's it's huge. It's huge, and and it and it's relatively new. I mean, it's a it came out of Colombia. An aerobics instructor by the name of Alberto Beto Perez in the 1990s invented it. And there's Zumba for older people called Zumba Gold. There's Zumba Junior for younger people. There's Aqua Zumba, and my favorite <laughs> is Kosher Zumba. <laughs> Zumba for Orthodox Jewish. Women and it's a women-only Zumba dance where musical lyrics containing sexual references are replaced with non-explicit material. So says Wikipedia. Do you get a Zumba wig? I have no idea. <laughs> Any case, you know, I think we got to go check out Zumba. Well, I don't know. I mean, how is this useful? Well, how is anything that we've actually been looking at useful? We're not- talking 50 million people a week. We need to be part of this. Okay. All right. I think we need to go to Zumba. Okay. Pop Culture Salvage Expeditions with your friends, Professor Dr. Stephen Duncombe. Hello. Patricia Gerrito. Hello there. And Steve Lambert. Thank you. <laughs> Woo. Okay. We are back from oh, Zumba. I hurt really badly. From morning Zumba. Yeah. So we uh, we did a morning Zumba class in bed We're just back and we learned a lot about the actual doing of Zumba. And I learned a lot about how I'm really not in very good shape. <laughs> so we did a one hour class and um, I still am curious, like how this is going to be useful for activists and activism. Well, well let's, yeah. let's move back a little bit and yeah. say, well, you know, for those that were in the place we were only an hour and a half ago of these sort of unknowing Zumba neophytes, well, what, yeah. what is Zumba? I mean, we did the description from Wikipedia, but like... Let's describe it. What I loved about our Zumba class, and I can't speak to all Zumba classes since this was the first and only one I've been to. (laughs) But not Uh, the last. All different people were there, different ages, different shapes, different uh, fitness levels, people who were new to it like us and people who, who were clearly experienced in it. And it is a dance Right. It's a dance class that you go to um, with choreography, with specific steps 
uh, that you follow. There were about uh, six or seven routines mm-hmm. that we did, uh, but they're well, all we did. That was in quotes. <laughs> that, <laughs> Which we tried that were to provided do. <laughs> in the glass. Yeah, they were all short enough that you could see learning them if you go mm-hmm. enough times. But they were all to different songs and had different, yeah, different rhythms and and beats to them. So. When you say all kinds of people, though, I I just need to say all kinds of women. (laughs) Yes. Right. We we were told by the fitness instructor, who's been doing this for many, many years, that we were the fourth and fifth men that she has ever, ever had in her classes. Yeah. And the room was, there were probably, what, 25, 30 women there? Yeah. 20? Yeah. (laughs) So... That every week, right? Like, this is just not a lot of men doing this. So this is mo- a yeah. mostly no. female, from what we can yeah. tell, activity. <laughs> so, and just to do a little bit more of just what the feel of the thing is like, is you, you, the class starts and you dance for an hour and 10 minutes straight. There's yeah, no breaks. There's no sort of downtime. There's no like, um, okay, here's the moves, right? right? It's just like, you just follow me. Here we go. Exactly. (laughs) And it is high energy music. It's mainly like salsa, merengue, uh, reggaeton. And sort of, it's you know other music we don't know about. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's it's you know it's interesting because because it comes from Colombia. Partially, it is music from like the global south. It's not. It's there's a couple. Right. I think we finished with Katy Perry, right? Um, but it's definitely it's 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 got that Colombian, Latin American, Caribbean vibe going on. Right, and even though there's no breaks, it's not boot camp style. For you, it's not boot camp style. (laughs) There's no one yelling at us or making us feel bad for not keeping up. Right. There was laughter and joy in that room. And it was, for me, I was just watching, you know, participating. And in my head, it was just like, oh, hard work can be fun. Yeah. Well, especially as laughter and like, Steve, the, you know, the class turned around to face it back, and Steve and I had to show off our twerking. <laughs> that, that got so oh, That's what that was. <laughs> well, you know, it was, it was a loving laugh, but yeah, no twerking. <laughs> <laughs> Loose definition. Yeah. So yeah, so we had a room full of uh, a lot of lot of uh, different kinds of women in workout clothes. Two gangly white guys in the back. Mirror at the front. Some wood floors. Some all different kinds of music mm-hmm. and then like an hour of these kind of repetitive dance moves right like verse chorus verse chorus you'd come back to a move yeah. and the thing i noticed in the video that i saw was that there's like all these nods to all these different kinds of cultures as you were saying so we did these moves that look sort of like indian or thai traditional dances right. that I've the seen. highway right yes yeah. and then every everything from that to like Hip hop booty shaking stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So it like spans the the gamut of non traditional dance. No, I so <laughs> I think non white dance. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think yeah, that yeah. that's part of it too. Which is it sometimes was, we just call that dance. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <harsh>. <laughs> um, but you know, it really was. It was a space in which. Hey, it was in Bed Stuy, but it was a space that was very much a people of color space. Yeah, and I think. If we took a Zumba class in Indiana, that would not be true. But I think that the vibe of Zumba is very much coming from a Global South perspective, the music, yeah. the person who invented it, and so on. I think that vibe would be the same. You know, the, the classes I've heard about from this friend of the family, you know, is in New Jersey, pretty mm-hmm. pretty far out in New Jersey. And it's, from what I can tell, the same kind of vibe. Right. So that's what I really like about it is mm-hmm. it's 
uh, mainstreaming all this other culture to mm-hmm. say people in Indiana that it's an introduction. It's, it's a crash course on other kinds of music. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it's also right. It's a way of getting people together. It's community. Uh, it's yeah. a way of having fun, right? And everyone adapts to that, right? Mm-hmm. And it becomes less uh, a lesson in cultural education and more of just having fun with people who want to have some health in their life, want to have some movement, some activity. You know, Steve and I were speaking to uh, one of the women at the end of the class who's an older woman. Yeah. And she's, and she said, you know, I hate the treadmill. It's just, well, I want to come to a place like this where I don't feel like I'm working out, where I'm having fun or else I'm not going to do it. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think one of the things that's interesting is, it, is it's while it's about introducing other cultures, it itself is a culture which one can learn mm-hmm. um, by actually going. And the, the instructor said this, um, Lacey said this at the very beginning. She said, you know, if you come once, you can follow along. If you come four or five times, you'll start to learn the steps. And so it's nobody feels locked out by this isn't part of my culture. I don't right. belong here. That is, you can learn the steps or not learn the steps and enter into that place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What I loved also about it was, uh, right, so we're in a room. Uh, there's a mirror at the front and the instructor starts off at the front. But the instructor also, she, Lacey was moving throughout the room. Yeah. Throughout the different. And engaging uh, with people. Yeah, and engaging yeah. with people. But also the perspective changes, right? So the front then becomes the back. When yeah. you do mm-hmm. certain moves. Like I did that. not like that. <laughs> <laughs> and then the sides become the front yeah. and it went throughout. So there were moments where everyone was looking at you or at the back of you and you were leading the class. So people like us who like purposefully went to the back of the class found ourselves in the front of the class at certain moments. Yeah. So, so how do we think about using some of these sort of observations, experiences, feelings in our activism, how do we how do we make the transfer from a fun Saturday morning dance craze, you know, class to changing the world? Well, I'm I'm already making connections to previous shows that we did, like mm-hmm. the Manny Petty theme of which was like a couple episodes ago right. of self care. I find when I have done really big projects that uh, that my health kind of suffers. Mm-hmm. And that those were the times after I got those done or the, the one time in my life that I actually signed up for a gym because I was like, man, I've really neglected myself. I need to take better care of myself. And so I started going to a gym for that year or so after to make up for it. So there's that, which is like a really basic connection. And then there's other things like, you know, we've gone to movies, we've gone out to restaurants mm-hmm. and there's this sort of communal part of it where there were people there that seemed to go with friends or meet mm-hmm. friends there or were introducing friends to it. And so there's that social part. I see that. Of course, we want to go a level deeper. So I'm kind of s- still figuring out what that level deeper is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think? Oh, for me, it. I love the metaphor of thinking, is your activism on a treadmill? So to what extent are we actually um, moving people beyond what they're both expecting from us, right? So there were in the choreography repetitive moments, but then there were also these moments of surprise that she had in each 
mini uh, choreography set. There was a moment where you would go left, right, up, down, left, right, up, down, left, right, up, down, but then you had to spin. And that came out of seemingly nowhere. And it was surprising. And you had to to meet that uh, new expectation. And it was fun because suddenly you're spinning around the room. So it is right for me, it's like walking away thinking about, oh, how am I like changing up my activism so that people aren't bored by it and are surprised by it? And also, again, the different perspectives, how we change uh, perspective in uh, in the room. How do we kind of uh, change leadership uh, when oh, we're doing yeah. our work? And how do we like toss the ball to people to take it for just a moment, right? That doesn't mean that you have to be the leader all the time, but how do we kind of switch that ball up so that... There were a couple it, women in that group that seemed to be assisting or something, right? Yeah. I think that that's, that's one of the things that impressed me because there's one way to read this, which is like, oh, we're all following the leader doing exactly mm-hmm. what she tells us to do, which kind of reminds me of like a Busby Berkeley you know, <laughs> musical or like a fascist rally. Um, right. But that's not really what was happening here because there were a number of people who were very experienced because being in the back, we couldn't see Lacey mm-hmm. up front. And so I just started following this woman in front of me. Yes. And then I'd look up at Lacey and I realized that the woman in front of me wasn't necessarily doing just what Lacey did. Yeah. She was actually putting her own spin into it and her exactly. own movement. She was following a sort of a general form, but had her own deviation. Right. And so it's a kind of a model of like, okay, well, we can all act together, but we can also put our own style in it. And then you layer a beat in on top of it. And it's not just going through emotions. It's going through emotions, trying to find the beat, then find your style through all of it. And that's what, you know, it's a nice model for thinking about, well, we want to act together. We right. want to have, you know, social organization, we want to have social movements, we want to have some sort of precision in our actions, but to always sort of factor in the fact that there can be deviation within those forms right. and that there's always sort of an underlying beat that we can all, that can resonate with us all and keep us on track. And Lacey's instructions at the beginning of class was, if you're moving and laughing, yeah. you're doing it right. Yeah, right. Yeah, and yeah. that is the opposite of dogma. Right? Yes. Because yes, <laughs> like, yes. she has a choreography. She has a set way of how she's doing it. But she's telling everyone in that room, I'm going to be doing this. Follow along to the extent that you can. But as long as you're moving and laughing, you're doing it right. Mm hmm. One of the things when I was doing a little research, Wikipedia research on um, Zumba, was what their business model is. Mm-hmm. And that Zumba doesn't license their name, that anybody can use their name Zumba, which is why Zumba is absolutely everywhere and is spread to 200,000 places across 180 countries. But what they do do is they license the instructors. Lacey is a licensed Zumba instructor, but then what she does with that and how she uses the name is actually really up to her. And so, it's, again, it's this kind of model of form and deviation. That is, is it uh, gives it enough form because you train the trainers, but then allows for Lacey's own musical set, right? What her interest is in music, how what hit songs are this week or last week or whatever that she can factor in and allows her to factor in that sort of individuality into this thing which is still recognizable as Zumba. And so if you're doing Zumba in Indiana, you can come to Bedford-Stuyvesant, you can walk into a class, and you can actually pick it up really quick. But it's going to be different necessarily than the one that's in Indiana. 
And I wonder what a certified activist, <laughs> what an activist certification yeah. will look like. Not in a, you know, professionalism, you know, exclusionary way, but what would it look like if we had a way of knowing that we're building our skills in a certain way that we, um, you know, that there are expectations of what we should be learning and should be doing? I'm just curious about that. <laughs> I, I, I think that's fascinating because I think that activism has been caught up with individuality and the idea of being free from constraint and the idea is, is we've got to create our own way and that the man is always trying to tell us what to do. And, and you we're have going to, to be, find your voice. Find your voice. And I get it. But the problem is, is then we get this sort of polyvocal cacophony um, <laughs> of, and where we constantly recreating over and over and over the same mistakes, the same, you know, uh, victories sometimes, but we mm -hmm. don't have that sort of building platform. And it's like, yeah, it's an interesting question of like, what would it be like to actually have a platform on which to build? Like, right. these are the base things we, we believe in as activists and that we know how to do, and then we can apply it to the different struggles we work on. Right. In the past, you had the, the civil rights movement. You had things like the Highlander School, which actually mm -hmm. did teach how to do activism. You had the Communist Party, which had a model. Now, the problem with the Communist Party is they didn't allow for much deviation. Exactly. Um, you know, but at, <laughs> uh, you know, at their best, or SNCC had their activist schools. Um, right. And I think that at their best is they those things actually created these sort of platforms or the Industrial Areas Foundation also did this and then would allow for sort of how to adapt it to different places and different spaces. I think even with the participants, there's an idea that if you go in as a beginner, that everyone wants you to get up to a certain level of proficiency. Other other class participants were congratulating us at the end, right. reaching out in the middle, like um, a couple women came over and were like, you know, very encouraging and like saying stuff while the music was playing. You're like, don't worry, you got a big booty. That's what she said to me. <laughs> and I was like, thank you. You know, because of this, the song had something about a big booty. You know, like she's in there trying as a participant, trying to make sure that everyone also is building their skills. Mm -hmm. And I like that idea that everyone involved, we, we want them all to, we're trying to get them all to a, a, a certain level of proficiency so that they can perform, right? So there's okay. not, uh, well, there's going to be these experts and these are new people. So we'll just put them on the easiest <laughs> task possible. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, no, everyone has to be at a certain level. Some are always going to be a little bit better, but there's right. a sort of basic thing and, and that you got to keep coming back so we can get you to that level and encouragement around it, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they seem to be able to balance these things that we've been talking about in past um, podcasts between professionalism and expertise and efficacy with the same part, sort of ease of entry and being welcoming. And they're able to pull that up because to be good at Zumba is really, really hard. I mean, you could see some of those women were good and they've been doing it a lot. Right. There's like a physical health thing yeah. and then coordination and memory and learning. Yeah. Exactly. Physical memory. It's and, and then forgetting because it's moving so fast that if you're yeah. thinking about it, you can't exactly. do it. So it's, it becomes, <laughs> that was my problem. <laughs> it becomes muscle memory. Um, so it becomes instinctual and identity, um, which takes a lot of expertise, but then we could walk in and it was fine. Yeah. Right. Nobody seemed to be bothered that we weren't good enough or something. No, no. Cause yeah, there was no, right. There was no, uh, failing in that space. No. Um, if you're moving and laughing, <laughs> Right. You're doing it right. But it's also choreographed in a way that 
I, I was saying earlier, I was doing 50%, mm-hmm. right, yeah. of the effort that was called for. Like, I wasn't jumping yeah. when she was doing the jumping, and I was still sweating up a storm, oh, yeah. Yeah. right? So it was just, I was doing what was my bet. Like, I was pushing myself, which I knew wasn't as much as what the Zumba uh, choreography called for, and it was still a lot. And yeah. I, and I felt accomplished by you, what I was able to do. You pick your own level of challenge. Yes. So you you have a background in dance, mm-hmm. right? Like you didn't you major in dance, or you were? I had a, a dance scholarship to Martha Graham Whoa. from third grade through high school. Wow. Dang. Okay, yeah, you picked it up a lot faster than us. I could <laughs> see. Yeah. Did you find that it was easier to catch on, and the movements came more naturally? Uh, yeah, because I also can, right, I I know how to look back. And so I'm not, when I see her doing the moves, I'm watching her do it. And then as I'm following, I know not to try to do uh, at that high level. So uh-huh. like when she was jumping up and doing things with kicking her leg, I yeah. was doing it on a slower motion just so that I could get the muscle Uh, memory Mm -hmm. into my body and then follow it that way and knowing that yeah that picks up over time see i was just like oh i can kick i can do that (laughs) (laughs) that's smarter i like your approach so if you're if you have a background in dance it's maybe a little easier to follow along i was kind of curious why in that class you wouldn't have a all right here's like these four basic moves like a real step-by-step intro mm-hmm. instead of what they did, which is just start the music, follow along, it'll be fine, which seemed to work, right? Yeah. But my natural thinking would lead me to, let's like teach you these basic steps first. Because mm-hmm. it's not intellectual. That's why mm-hmm. you will get fi- fixated on that. And it's all about, right, you're in a room full of people, you have this energy going, and just go with the flow. Really, yeah. just, yeah. It, it doesn't matter. You will, and you do, you did. Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, gave you up. just yeah. pick up on it, and it's <laughs> fine, right? It's just they did the, right, we would do the sideways line, and it didn't matter if you did left foot, right foot, instead of right foot, left foot. Yeah. Um, and you just got it. You got, you needed to move this way. Uh, you need to move to your left, and you needed to move to your right. And it's better for you to see it and participate than being told it. Here's I good, like that metaphor. Yeah, there's a good <laughs> lesson in that. So let's let's work with that for a little about applying to sort of how we approach people in the field and how activists approach people in the field. So oftentimes, and we've talked about this a lot on the podcast, we go and we talk to people. We tell them things. And we will often say, well, this is why you should be against something. Or this is why you should be for something. And this is the person you're supposed to hate. And this is the person you're supposed to support and so on. And this is a very different model. It's like throw you into an experience. We know you're going to flounder a little bit, but you will pick it up. You, it, It's like being in this sort of almost performative space where in, it just sets all the cues for us. It gives you the beat. It gives you a little hint of what to do, but then sort of allows people to take it. So what would be an example of that? Just take a campaign that you'd worked on in the past, saving community gardens in mm-hmm. rough neighborhoods. Yeah. How would you do that? Well, I think that's actually a great example um, of the community <laughs> gardens because, you know, you don't talk to people about, hey, you know, we should really have a community garden here. Mm-hmm. What you do is you create a community garden and you invite the community in to garden. 
and then they get invested and they may not know how to garden. I certainly uh-huh. don't. Okay. And then other people do know how to garden. You learn from those people. And then all of a sudden it becomes their garden. And then when the developer comes in and tries to kick everybody out, they have this investment because, you know, let's go back to this sort of muscle memory, which is they're not thinking about the garden. They're actually living the garden. They're in the garden. Right. So, so instead of having a basement meeting in front of a chalkboard where we explain how to plant stuff and what makes good soil and all that, you yeah. just... There you go. Right. And, you know, this is what we do in our trainings is that we do do the in front of the chalkboard for a day or so. Um, yeah. Then we kind of move to the next level, which is do exercises on hypothetical examples. But the real happening happens when we actually have to go do an action together in 24 hours, because that's the moment when people stop thinking about all the things that could go wrong and just start doing and yeah. working with one another. Mm hmm. And I would say right for right now, what we're dealing with, the aftermath of Beirut and Paris uh, and then seeing Congress's reaction to that. Right. One of the areas that we get stuck in is that we don't do that muscle memory around fear. Mm. And I think we bypass fear so often uh, that we don't address what people are feeling. And we really try to either jump to this higher uh, point of um uh, fairness and justice, which is a goal and it's a place that we want to get to, but it's not a place that many people can get to on their own or without going through this area of fear, right? It's just like, that's like the justice is like the advanced Zuma class. <laughs> <laughs> and we want people to jump to it uh, without helping walk them through how to get past Right. The fear stage. Um, And I think that's an area where, you know, I'm just seeing and I'm worried about how we're going to be able to uh, confront and react. So how like how do we use the Zumba method to do that? What do you think? That is a great question. I don't have the silver bullet of what to do, but I know that if we're not in a space where we are letting people expose, right, and release the the terror that they have uh-huh. um, mm. around what's happening, uh-huh. um, and then just allow spaces where we could only be um, we could only be speaking in the voice of what is politically correct or what is or like level headed, right? Yeah. Or what is level headed that we won't. Yeah, it'll be harder to connect to people who are getting right. And I, I think that's one of uh, Obama. I totally get what he's doing on that. And I support him. And I think he should be pushing against that. But I think he hasn't given us a message for why we shouldn't fear um, and why we shouldn't put up more restrictions. And I think he's been in this intellectual space on that, which I get. But that's not where people are when they hear that news and you have to get to, right, you have to let people release something and and choreograph it in a way that is actually people get through it and then see, oh, okay, that fear is unjustified and that uh, there are actually measures in place that I don't have to worry as much as I'm worrying. And again, fear is an abstract. It's not... Fear. If you're in a place of fear, that means nothing bad is happening. Right? It's just mm. it's, you have the luxury to be fearful. Um, when 
shit hits the fan, right? As you're dealing. Right? Yeah, you're yeah. dealing. And that's what September 11th in New York was. It's just, we weren't fearful at that moment, right? We were doing, we were mm-hmm. in action. And that action was very compassionate, right? You saw mm-hmm. firefighters helping homeless people. You saw race was removed, class was removed, gender was removed because you're in the moment and you could be, right? Yeah. Uh, but it's when we are not in that moment that we actually have the the time to have fear, which is uh, counterproductive to trying to move towards social justice. Hmm. One of the things, you know, bringing it back to Zumba is that what Lacey does is she becomes a model instructor. And how you learn Zumba is you follow this person who's actually really good at what they do. Mm-hmm. And so one of the ways to think about that fear is how do we model a behavior which acknowledges fear and then moves it into justice as opposed to retaliation. And I, I'm glad you brought up 9-11 because I think one of the most amazing things about living in New York City through 9-11 was that the model behavior on the street was one of compassion and it was also one of intense fear or coming through fear. How that got refracted around the rest of the country who didn't actually necessarily feel the feel fear firsthand was a different modeling of behavior. It was George Bush you know, making pronouncements about we're going to go smoke them out and then invading Iraq. And what was so wonderful about that moment is you saw everyday people acting in such a way that you would want to model your behavior after them. Mm-hmm. And so what I'm hearing you say is like, where are the people that become the model for action around fear? And I think we do see it in everyday citizens. Like, I think, I don't know what's happening in Paris now, but after the Charlie Hebdo uh, mm-hmm. incident, you know, it was about supporting people and supporting Parisians and making sure that Muslim Parisians were not identified. Um, but it's again, it's to, to, we need the dance instructor, right? Right. Not to tell us what to do, but to model how we should deal with things. And we also have to realize, right, that, um, fear and action don't occur at the same time. And if you're in that place of fear, then you're paralyzed and you can't move. And that when, so September 11th is when we needed to act, we acted. And then when we had time to retreat, then you could have fear, right? Or depending where you were in a city, mm-hmm. you you experience fear in a different way. But right, if you were at the center, it's like mm-hmm. you're actually moving, you're, mm-hmm. you're reacting to what's happening. And then, right, and I think, yeah, that's a great uh, comment because the rest of the country experienced it in, in a different way so that their fear came out and was uh, manifested in a way that they also didn't have action to do, mm-hmm. right? Uh, mm-hmm. Then you kind of can channel action in a way that can uh, lead towards positivity and, and more constructive uh, ways. But if people are just sitting in fear and they're not, right, it's not a, a place to have any kind of movement on it, then that leads to very scary things. Mm-hmm. It just occurs to me that we use this term activism to mean so many things. And a lot of times we say activism when we mean a march or we kind of always go back to the example of a march or a petition or an uh, action in front of a building, a strike, you know, these kinds of typical things. But what we're actually working towards or talking about really doing when we talk about activism is very different and it incorporates this kind of like, all right, how do I 
bring someone through a process to an outcome that where they're less fearful so that the reaction to these events isn't as violent. And it's a real outcome, but the way that we move through it is pretty non-traditional, mm-hmm. the, the way that the three of us are talking about this. And, and that that's what's valuable about doing a Zumba <laughs> class yeah. is it's like you need to think in these, in these patterns that you're not usually, you know, making connections you don't usually make. And that we got from Zumba to what you were just saying, you two were just saying is part of that process. But I thought you were going to take process someplace else, which is Zumba is a process. That is, it is a taking people from being a Zumba neophyte into someone who can do more of the moves, enjoy the moves, and so on. And and it's and I think that that's something that we forget in our activism. When you're talking about process, I kept thinking about, yeah, it's not about doing something. It's about leading people through something, whether it's an hour and a half class of Zumba or whether it's starting out as someone who knows nothing about Zumba and then becoming better and better at Zumba. So in the end, someone knows how to do Zumba. And in the end, that's what we want to do with activists is we don't want to just shut down Wall Street. We want... That'd be nice. That's very nice, exactly. But, <laughs> we don't but, not, but the power, not shut down Wall Street. <laughs> the power of something like Occupy Wall Street was actually the transformation in people's identity, that they mm-hmm. were the type of people that was going to shut down Wall Street, and they were the 99%. They were not the minority, they were majority. And that's sort of a mental shift and an identity shift. And I was thinking about some of the trainings you do, Steve, about getting from awareness to action and mm-hmm. how the final stage of that transformation from just making someone aware to making someone act is actually about identity. So people actually have almost muscle memory about, yeah, just like I know how to do Zumba, I know how to do activism. That's what I am. I am an activist because I've been yeah. through this process. I'm curious about how we put back act, action and active into activism. We are trained and usually talk about moving people from awareness to action. But I think there are times when we need to move from action to awareness. Mm. And we don't do that as much. We don't uh, have well, ways. Explain to, that. Explain that. So, right. So I was talking to Lacey at the beginning of the class because I came early. And so we were the only two people there. And so we were talking about dance and how it does change your life. And actually, as you dance more, it changes your perspective on the world. It changes. Right. So one of the lessons that you learn in dance is also not to be afraid of mistakes because no one knows the choreography. So if you are doing a dance move and you fall, the audience thinks that was part of the movement, right? Mm-hmm. You just get up gracefully when you're from yeah. it and people will think that it's part of the movement. So it changes as you become active, as you develop your skills and get in touch with uh, how to present, how to move your body. It actually starts changing the way that you show up and think about things in the world. But I'm wondering if as activists, we can think more about how to be, how to move action into awareness rather than awareness to action. Because I think for us, there are some people that need to be in it and need to be moving around it before they can have, right. We usually want to change people's minds rather than, 
get people right or you have to be politically pure for some people in order to even participate right the levels of participation are very high when it's only that one way of awareness then to action hanging around with the greenpeace action team nate told me one time i forget how he put it maybe he was talking about himself but whenever anyone wants to join greenpeace they want to be the guy on the zodiac boat with the flag <laughs> in the picture like that's how they imagine themselves and that that's like one guy that's on one day but there's like thousands of other people that are doing research and that are you know can't campaigning in other ways and all the other work that needs to get done but that is so appealing and like righteous and i can be the guy that's waving the flag and trying to stop the big oil tanker in that way that what you're saying makes sense to me it's like okay sure you want to be at the front of the um, line facing off against the cops you want to be the person throwing the molotov cocktail or the rock or you want to be the person that's locked down in the office that keeps the president of whatever from getting in there and doing their business and that that's dramatic and it feels good but how do we take you from there to a much more thoughtful place where you have a more complete identity or something around your work and i think we're seeing this right now with the resurgence of activism on campus and I'm always torn with activism on campus because on the one hand, I love it. I'm so happy that another cohort of students is becoming radicalized. And on the other hand, I'm just like, oh, man, you guys are making the same mistakes that we made 30 years ago. You know, and it's just like, I cannot believe that you haven't learned the Zumba steps, which are necessary to actually pull this off. And but part of it becomes is because that their identity is all around action. Yes. Um, yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah. not <laughs> actually about learning the steps of Zumba. It's about being the instructor up front without knowing really any of the steps. And, and so, and the I, and so tragic I think, thing is when it's not really about the change. No, or no, the it's, results. it's often about your it's identity. The demonstration. As an, yeah, it's yeah. your identity as an activist is I'm bad. I'm sticking it to the man and so on. It really is about going all the way back to what we're talking about this sort of expertise thing is that the Zumba instructor is at the front of the class. She also trained to be a Zumba instructor and that we wouldn't take you and I, Pat might, she, I think she was much better than we were. Um, but you wouldn't take you and I and throw us to the front of the class and then no. have a class of Zumba people, you know, like the weakest right. people in the room, the most inexperienced people in the room and say, the least okay, graceful and the least graceful and the, the smallest booties okay, um, and throw us up in the front of the class. And though I think that's what happens sometimes when we privilege the action and we privilege the activist is the guy with the flag on the Kodiak boat, you know, yeah, yeah. and it's like that guy in the flag of the Kodiak boat has actually been training for many, many, many years to be that guy on the Kodiak with the flag and so on and so yeah. forth. And so it's about that expertise. Welcome them in, but understand that, yeah, there's a lot behind that action, a lot that mm -hmm. goes into that action, both skills, but also awareness. I have the same thing. I, so I teach at SUNY Purchase, the State University of New York at Purchase. It's one of the most liberal state university campuses, the most arts focused. And I am the faculty advisor for whatever the activism club is, which I should know the official <laughs> name for it. They will come to me because they know I know about this stuff. And they're like, yeah, we want to get students more involved. How do we do it? And, you know, there, there are a lot of stuff about um, race and police violence that have come up in the last year or two. And I keep telling them, you know, the problem here is that almost all the faculty 
and the administration are on your side. You're going to want to like go up against the administration, the faculty here, but they, they're already with you. So who are you fighting? You know, and like really figuring out who that is. The ones that lead the group are like, oh, you know, <laughs> and then, but the ones that are coming in every once in a while are like, we got to tell the president this, you know, I don't know that the president of the college and a sophomore who grew up in the Bronx and like maybe it was the subject of police violence have the same opinion about everything, but they're mm-hmm. generally aligned in the same direction. And it becomes a lot harder when I mean, it would be so much easier if it was like <laughs> Animal House and it was just Dean Wormer <laughs> versus the cool kids. And then they face off and like you beat Dean Wormer and then everything, you know, the credits run. But um, it becomes more complicated and they and they just want to be the I, I, I have a feeling they just want to be the person that's doing that action. Mm-hmm. And do we have other moves besides being in opposition? Yeah. Right. Why is it always about fighting? Right. Why is it right? There's so much to fight. <laughs> there, there is. But how do we, you know, how do we find allies who are in different places and create movement? Right. With our yeah. allies rather or than reco- always just fighting recognize people. them. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, and to bring them in and show them our moves. Yeah. And, and it's sort of like, how do we invite people into our, our dance class? And you know, and let them have fun and smile and so on. Even our adversaries, um, insofar as we, you know, that we, they have some sense of beat. You know, okay, that sounds great and I'm for it. Uh, but the thing <laughs> yeah, I, I know, I know, I, 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 it even got like rainbows and unicorns <laughs> as I was saying it. I, I don't, I didn't but this quite is buy the, it this the is the real it. challenge like I've been experiencing in the last few weeks is I think I, I realize how much. I have hung around real professionals mm-hmm. who are very strategic thinking, very um, outcome focused. Right? The, la- so, the, la- the Lacey's of the activism world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, people that are running organizations or b- big parts of big movements, right? They're very practical and they're thinking about like, okay, well, how do we change this law? And they're willing to talk mm-hmm. to people that might not be completely aligned in order to get to that goal and you know, see things with nuance. And in my experience the last few weeks is being around more people that have found an issue. They're very angry. And it's like, let's fight. Let's face off against these people. Anyone involved who is not completely um, on that (laughs) path is a sellout and a traitor to the cause, right? Right. Now, my instinct is like, you're an idiot and just walk away. Right. Uh, But in fact, like I should be like Lacey, I should be taking that person, taking them from, okay, you want to act, but like, let's, 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 you know, let me choreograph you through some of these moves. Have you think through this a little bit more, be a little bit more reflective, more thoughtful. So we can all be more effective in doing this. And I'm not doing it well. <laughs> well, that's right. To mix in some more metaphors into this podcast. <laughs> right. So after our class, Lacey was teaching a ballet class, right, to young kids. Yeah. And so, right. So policy work and right activism work are as different as ballet is to Zumba. Right. Okay, okay. And so how are we as 
people who are engaged in social movement skilled in the different forms of change? And how can we help to do that translating, right? Because how you go into a policy fight, right, which is the choreography on policy work is very restrictive, right? There's Mm -hmm. just so much wiggle room that you have to go through. It's, you know, created by lawyers for lawyers. It's (laughs) to the letter, to the T. And that is different from a protest march, right? So can we teach those different classes? Can we go from Zumba to ballet, That's a skill set that we need to be thinking about as well. And then can you translate that for, you know, ballet dancers too, right? Because you could get someone in who's trained in jazz who could go to a Zumba class and whereas they can physically do it would still have stumblings on getting used to the new choreography and new movements. Yeah. Getting really real. What, how do I, how do I talk to super angry newbie that wants to be on the front line of the, of a violent attack. Well, I think that you, you take a lesson from Lacey, which is you don't talk. You actually model a certain way of analyzing the situation, talking about power, talking about appropriate action and so on and so forth is that she didn't tell us what steps to do. She just actually did them. Mm. And we followed along because it looked fun and we wanted to be a little bit more like Lacey and we wanted to have a little bit more skill and so on. So you can sit them down and say, kids, you know, back in 1965, you know, this is how we did it when I was with SNCC and their faces are just going to go. And you've already sold out anyway, because now you're a college professor or you can do what I think you probably do do, which is to say, okay, so what do we want here? How do we, how do we think about that? And actually model like what something would like what a good strategy session would be and that they'll stumble at first. You know, they won't be able to 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 do the strategic twerk that they need (laughs) or the tactical twerk that they need. But sooner or later, they'll get there and they'll get there because they're watching you as opposed to listening to you. Sounds good. I'll try it. I just want to see the tactical twerk. (laughs) (laughs) Well, before we go, let's talk about our uh, top recommendations, one from each. Uh, Steve, what do you got for us this week? All right. So this is uh, the sort of the, the pop cultural moment or experience that's, that's really got me thinking, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, so <laughs> last night I went to the opening night uh, with my family of the final installment of The Hunger Games. Whoa. Uh, and so there's a lot to say about The Hunger Games itself, which I think we might have even talked about on these podcasts, that it's actually, it's, you know, it is a drama about class warfare. It's a drama about female power. Um, and it's, you know, it's fascinating in that way. And that this is where these things actually get worked out uh, on screen, for a huge paying audience. And we can say, well, it's repressive desublimation and it's bad because this is how we deal with class and feminism and race and so on. Or we can say, you know, for a generation growing up, it's like, yeah, class warfare. We know which side we're going to be on. And we want to be like Katniss. I mean, my my boys want to be like Katniss. She's <laughs> bad. They don't want to be like those wimpy guys who keep following her around. <laughs> they want to be like Katniss. Um, That's good. <laughs> but what I liked about the final installment was it was dark. I'm not going to do a spoiler, uh, but it, but it has a darkness to it about power 
which I was not expecting because I had not read the books, which I thought was a very mature way of dealing with what happens when you have a successful revolution. And I'll leave it at that. Mm. What about you, Pat? What I'm excited about in terms of pop culture is the trailer for the next (laughs) Star Wars movie. I am one of those people, right? 1977, this movie came out. It's... It has many generations uh, attached to it. The change in leadership, moving from a George Lucas to a J.J. Abrams film, very excited Mm -hmm. about that. The fact that he could give over that mantle, which is really, right, he could have been so tied into ego, and he did such an awful job on the last three that I was glad that... You didn't like Jar Jar Binks? (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. I wouldn't be the person who did like Jar Jar. Um, That he's able to care about the product enough to say someone else needs to take this on. And it doesn't need to be me. And care about meaning, you know, he's going to get lots of profit from it. But also it's, uh, you know, in in an artistic way to hand it over to someone else. But also how the expectation, right? I think that trailer is amazing for building expectation because you don't get much in it right it's just little snippets but you get enough if you've watched all of the star wars movies you're you understand the reference you understand the emotion and a point right there it was the best use of the music in such a short time frame and you get the emotion in like a two minute and change trailer that pulls you into nostalgia and also expectation for what, how this is going to evolve. Mm-hmm. I, I really like J.J. Abrams, the Star Trek that he did. I was not mm-hmm. a Star Trek person. Mm-hmm. And his whole, I don't know, his approach to um, mystery and like confusion in movies mm-hmm. is great. Well, I think what's great about J.J. Abrams is he's a fan. And, yeah. and what happened is Star Wars was given over to its fans understood it better than their, the creator did. By yeah. the end. And I think that's a really cool movement. It, it happens a lot. You know, it happened in Lost where they actually took leader, you know, took sort of ideas for the plot from the fans and would release stuff to the fans. And J.J. Abrams really understands fan culture. And so mm-hmm. this is a fan actually creating mm-hmm. the culture itself for other fans, which is a really awesome idea. So do you have tickets already? No, and I'm not going to see it opening day. Well, because I didn't get tickets, but <laughs> I I like to go to the theater when it's not packed, just because yeah. I'm not a crowd person. Yeah, uh, but I will see it before the new year. Yeah, how about you, Steve? Well, I have not owned a TV in a long time, and I bought a TV. Wait, wait we've been doing pop culture salvage expeditions for <laughs> almost an entire year. And you have not owned a television. Did you get a flat screen one or did yeah. you get the really deep ones? No. Oh, the last one I got, I think was, I've, I've had back and forth with TV of like, I'm, I watch TV, I don't watch TV. And what I realized is I don't own a TV, but I watch a lot of movies and TV uh-huh. shows on my laptop. Mm-hmm. And it's stupid. Yes, it's, small. it's stupid. Yeah. So, uh, so just one day, you know, cause I told you guys we bought a house and yeah. I was in a room. I was like, a TV could go right there. <laughs> How many inches? 
43. Whoa, that's a serious TV. It was it was around 500 bucks and yeah. it's great. I mean, they're really cheap. I mean, that's yeah, they're, yeah. Yeah. And so for that moment where I was like that TV could go there, I'm like I don't really want to think about this. I just want to do it. And we went to Best Buy, which was a whole other yeah. experience. Yeah. I've not been in a Best Buy maybe ever. And it's just like <laughs> yeah. It was a whole that was a whole experience. From that moment and then brought home the TV and like so glad I did. It's really cool to say you don't have a TV, but not it just really. means you're yeah. watching something yeah. on your laptop. Yeah, exactly. Not to us. Not to <laughs> us. Exactly. Yeah, not to us at all. Now you're lap free. Yeah. Yeah. I can watch and we have sit on the couch and it's great. I love it. So I will say one thing and I'll find one for you at a thrift store, a, a sound system. Oh, yeah. To attach to it with a big boom bass. You know because what I want It's now? a completely different experience. Yeah. It's so awesome. Well, yeah, I've never invested in that. Well, I'll get you one at a thrift store too. People, they put them in thrift stores all the time, about 50 bucks or 40 bucks. I will buy you both one. And it, it changes your, your viewing experience. This is the other thing I want is a digital antenna. Because I want to see what's actually on TV. Because uh, I haven't okay. watched broadcast television right. with commercials right. and stuff. Okay. Yeah, it's good. I mean, no, not, not it's good what's on TV, but it's good to, to watch Check in every yeah. once in a while. I mean, I do it at hotels and stuff. Yeah, that's which, what I do. Know, yeah. It's research. It's yeah. research. Yeah. I am finding, you know, just in terms of cultural shift, I am interested in, because I, right, I grew up on television. I love television. I, yeah. But now not watching cable or broadcast television, I will sit in front of a show and I don't hit pause. Whereas my daughter is very comfortable with hitting pause to go. I'm just like, I, I need someone to pause it for me. I need the commercial to come on to let me know I can leave the couch. Otherwise, I, I will just sit there and watch it for the entire. Yeah, I really need to develop habits on how to self-pause. Yeah, yeah. The other thing, too, about having the TV has made me realize that it's hard to get people to leave their house. Because my house is getting more and more comfortable, yeah. you know, in like a grown up way where I'm like, fine, I'm, I'll just stay here. It's yeah, cool. It's cool. <laughs> you know? And so it's like, okay, I need to remember. Maybe I won't get you that surround sound. <laughs> Are you guys ready for our next pop culture salvage expeditions? Are we ready to rumble? <laughs> Our next trip out, we are going to a WWE match in Newark, New Jersey. Nice. It's going to be a night of wrestling, I'm, professional yes. wrestling. The other thing, I got us floor seats. So I don't nice. know exactly what row, how it shakes oh out, but God. we're very close. Awesome. Very close to the ring and uh, on the floor. We're we not hear, like, like in the, the slaps balconies. on the canvas. Yeah. And the screaming. Yeah. And the and the young all the young boys. I will yeah. have my eyes closed during both of them. Oh it. no, <laughs> it's gonna be great. To We're gonna be there. All right, WWE next time. Yes, slap down. <laughs> it's SmackDown. <laughs> <laughs>